0: an honor and a privilege to be among you today. You have all added to my faith, each in your own capacities. I want you to know that what you have is something sorely needed in the day that we live in. And I'm thankful that the Lord has been gracious to us. I'm thankful that we can minister to the needs of one another. And that those of you watching over Facebook Live, or maybe are listening to this recording even at a later date, we are thankful for your presence among us as well. We may not know at all times who exactly is hearing these messages, but heaven has taken note of your participation, and we thank you for the encouragement of your support as you press in for these things. We greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And pray that the Lord would bless you in your heart's desire in seeking the excellent knowledge of the Son of God. Today marks our 57th lesson in the person of Jesus Christ. Our text today is found in the book of the Revelation, shown to John the Beloved, and written for us here in these last times. It's a text that does not really require a preface or an introduction. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. The text contains something on the surface that appears to be plain, and of no great mystery. Jesus said, "I am Alpha and Omega." These are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. In the Hebrew, the same letters are Aleph Tav, and in the English tongue, they are A and Z. We would say the A and Z of the alphabet, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the origin and the conclusion, the start and the finish, what appears and what concedes. And as plain as this language is on the surface, these expressions are things that cannot be received with merely the intellect, but these are things that faith must lay hold of. This is a language that relates to the eternality and self-existence of the one who is from everlasting to everlasting. He is before all things and by him do all things consist. He said, fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. He said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. This is who we're talking about. Mm-hmm. The same was declared by the prophet Isaiah who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning. I am the Lord, the first and the last. I am He. Isaiah 41.4 And we know that Jesus is the same Yesterday, today, and forever. Yet we live in a day where there is a false Christianity afoot that does not preach a Christ who is Alpha and Omega. It cannot view Him in this capacity. Christ must be first and foremost in our preaching and teaching. The political and sociological issues of the day and the cares of the world and the opinions and aspirations and desires of men, no matter how good or noble they may appear to be, are not the pro- the proper starting point for profitable spiritual discourse. Period. Whatever it is you're preaching about, if you take Christ out of the picture, you've done a grave disservice to men. Christ is the living bread. Without Christ, there is no living bread from heaven. There is no manna that came down from heaven. There is no sustenance. You've got no living water. You've got no meat indeed. You've got no drink indeed. If you come with a Christless message, you're a cloud without water. Jesus is the life. Without Christ... You have a lifeless message. He is the truth. Without Christ in your message, your message is a lie. He's the physician. Without Christ, men cannot be healed. He's the counselor. Without Christ, nobody can be consoled. He's the captain of our salvation. Without Him absolutely nothing that you say to the people of God will lead the people victoriously to heaven. The word is his word. The agenda is his agenda. The emphasis is his emphasis. We do not preach to please men, but God and God is well pleased with his son, Jesus Christ. And not only his son, He's well pleased with you as you relate to Jesus Christ. Not only must Christ be first in what we we preach, but he also must be the conclusion of what is taught. He is the Alpha and Omega. Even if people begin teaching with Jesus, if they end up emphasizing something else other than what relates to him, Somewhere along the way, they got off course, and that teaching is erroneous. A telltale way to discern a false teaching is to trace it to its conclusion. If the teaching doesn't end with Christ, it's false. If it doesn't blend with the purpose of God in Christ Jesus, it's false. If the conclusion of whatever is being taught doesn't pertain to Jesus Christ, it's not the same Jesus that is Alpha and Omega. It's a phony, counterfeit Christ. For example, if somebody teaches that Jesus died so that we could live a life of comfort and ease on the earth, they are not preaching the real Jesus. If they teach that the ultimate reason for God redeeming us is merely so that we would benefit from it. It's not the same Jesus of the Scriptures. We are saved for Him. We are saved for Him. We are not saved just for the sake of being saved. Yes, we benefit from the transaction of Christ laying down His life and we give thanks for it. But the ultimate reason it was done was that God would be glorified through Christ. See. That's the end of it. Can you see that, brethren? God's getting himself glory. When it comes to what we teach, he is what initiates the teaching, and he is the emphasis of the teaching, and he is the conclusion of the teaching. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the reason we teach men. Any, do- any doctrine that puts Christ in the background at any point, at any point, is a false doctrine. Uh-huh. From start to finish, Christ is what we preach. He is the foundation and culmination of all that is truth, of all true doctrine. God has absolutely nothing to say, absolutely nothing to say to men, that does not come through his son. And God is not doing anything on the earth that does not involve the preeminent work of the son of God. Everything God is doing from start to finish not only involves Christ, it actually requires Christ. This is it. there's an essentiality of Christ. Jesus is always working. He's always active. He said, I work and my Father worketh. He's a worker. He is also Alpha and Omega in the sense that he transcends space and time. Do not be ignorant of this, of this very thing that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. Before the beginning, he was. And after the end, he shall be. The Lord is. He said, I am that I am. He told the Pharisees this. He said, before Abraham was, I am. That's Alpha and Omega. No one else, who else could this be said of, brethren? No one else has displayed this quality of being both Alpha and Omega. Brethren, there are many people in this world who are considered to be great. And there are even more which are the least among men. But never have I heard of a person that was first and last. This is, like all other aspects of our Lord, a thing absolutely unique to His person and no one else. The Lord Jesus Christ is Alpha and Omega in every single capacity. He is Alpha in terms of rank. No one is more preeminent than the person of Jesus Christ. He infinitely transcends all other created beings as as it is written, being made so much better than the angels. So much better than the angels. Every time an angel came here, men like fell down on their face. He's been made so much better than the angels. He hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. God has appointed the Lord Jesus Christ as heir of all things. He's made him both Lord and Christ. He's put all things under his feet. Everything is is in subjection to the Lord. People talk about the Lord coming back to reign on the earth for a thousand years. The Lord's reigning right now at the right hand of God. He's seated in the highest position. He has the highest occupation, the highest honor, the highest esteem. His name is above every other name. He reigns supreme. He truly is the Alpha, the first, the one holding the universe together, the one in command. If something works, he made it possible. If something's done, he's allowed it. He has all authority in heaven and earth. Whatever it is we're talking about concerning the scriptures, whatever is is the subject or the consideration, Christ is the first in it and Christ is the last in it. He is first in the record of scripture and he is last in it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How did he do that? By Jesus Christ. It says, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and are in earth visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him do all things consist. You can, as Philip did with the Ethiopian eunuch, begin from Genesis 1.1 and launch off preaching Christ. Praise God it's that way. In fact, he's so inseparable from the scriptures, being the word of God that he is seen on every page, in every place. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's not a faint odor of him, brethren. It's not a sprinkling of him. The scriptures, Christ is the very foundation of, and structure of the things that are written. Our brother Gibbon put this together decades ago, and I thought that this was worth repeating, and it's still as rel- relevant today as ever. I'm going to go through this real quick. In Genesis, he's the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he's the lawgiver. In Leviticus, he's the lamb. In Numbers, he's the water and the man. In Deuteronomy, he's the prophet. In Joshua, he's the captain of the Lord's hosts. In Judges, he's the judge. In Ruth, he's the kinsman redeemer. In 1 Samuel, he's the Lord's anointed. In 2 Samuel, he's the king with a house. In 1 Kings, he's the king that blesses. In 2 Kings, he's the one who dwells between the cherubim. In 1 Chronicles, he's the man of rest. In 2 Chronicles, he's the cleanser of the temporal. In Ezra, he's the ready scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the builder. In Esther, he's the one bringing deliverance. In Job, he's the daysman. In Psalms, he's the good shepherd. In Proverbs, he's the wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he's the preacher. In the Song of Solomon, he's the beloved. In Isaiah, he's the covert. In Jeremiah, he's the Lord, our righteousness. In Lamentations, he's my portion. In Ezekiel, he's the plan of renown. In Daniel, he's the ancient of days. In Hosea, he's my son. In Joel, he's the coming Lord. And Amos, he's the tabernacle. And Obadiah, he's the savior. And Jonah, he's the sign of the prophet. And Micah, he's the one whose goings are from everlasting. And Habakkuk, he's the holy one. And Zephaniah, he's the one who turns the captivity. And Haggai, he's the desire of all nations. And Zechariah, he's the fountain for sin. And Malachi, he's the son of righteousness. And Matthew, he's Christ the king. In Mark, he's the Holy One of God. In Luke, he's the Chosen of God. In John, he's the Word of God. In Acts, he's the Prince of Life. In Romans, he's the Propitiation for Sin. In 1 Corinthians, he's our Passover. In 2 Corinthians, he's the Unspeakable Gift. In Galatians, he's the Seed of Abraham. In Ephesians, he's the Beloved. In Philippians, he's the Lord who humbled himself. In Colossians, he's the son. In 1 Thessalonians, he's the Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Thessalonians, he's the coming Lord. In 1 Timothy, he's the mediator. In 2 Timothy, he's our savior. In Titus, he's the bishop of our souls. In Philemon, he's the giver of grace. In Hebrews, he's our great high priest. In James, he's the Lord of glory. In 1 Peter, he's the chosen of God. In 2 Peter, he's the day star. In 1 John, he's the word of life. In 2 John, he's the son of the Father. In 3 John, he's the stranger being ministered to. In Jude, he's the one who is able to keep you from falling. In Revelation, he's the faithful witness. The testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. Take away Christ and there is not meaning to anything that is written. If there's a prophet, it points to Jesus, the one sent by the Father. If, if we read of a priest, it's intended to point to Christ, our great high priest. When we read of kings and rulers and lords, they all point to Christ as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. If there arises a kingdom, it's always in view of his kingdom. It is written his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Christ demands to be the first and sole consideration when it comes to considering and pondering the truth. Once Jesus arrived, John the Baptist immediately saw that he must increase and I must decrease. And when you see him, you will come to the same conclusion. We must never allow Christ to become a secondary consideration in our minds. He is also first, and when we need wisdom, we we go to him first. When we need grace to help in the time of need, we first go to him. We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He is the alpha. We don't make him first in our life. He is first, and it demands that we acknowledge him. Brethren, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Christ and the Lord to the glory of God. He was before the world came into consist- existence. Jesus is also the first to rise from the dead and that he, he has become the first fruits. Of those who have fallen asleep. He is the firstborn of many brethren. He was also the first man to enter into heaven. You know, heaven had never seen a sight like that. It's written, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. And the angels were like, who is this king of glory? Who is as a man coming into heaven? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. You want to talk about a triumphant entry? That was a triumphant entry. This day have I begotten thee. is what the Lord said. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. Think about that. Think about Christ's entrance into heaven. It's a comforting thought. He is the first man from a new race of mankind. See, God's written off Adam's race. Adam's race is condemned. You have to be born again into a new progeny. Jesus was the firstborn of this new race of men. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead. That, that, in all things, he might have the preeminence. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the first, and we we follow after him. We follow Christ. He is not only the Alpha. He is also the Omega. Jesus Christ, the preeminent Son of God, The one who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, condescended. He humbled himself. He took on the form of a servant. The distance that the Lord had to travel to do this is an unfathomable distance. An eternal member of the Godhead, the one who was from everlasting to everlasting, took on himself the form of his own sinful creation. He was made in the likeness of sinful flesh. He was not only made subject to the elements, to hot and to cold and to hunger and to nakedness, but he was was made subject to the contrary environment of sin. God could barely stand sin from heaven. God could barely stand it from heaven. And here Christ had to come down face to face with it in flesh and blood. He had to endure the contradiction of sinners against himself and suffer being tempted. He had to live amongst a faithless and a perverse generation. There are times you just break out. Oh, how long will I be with you? Faithless and perverse generation. It was a grievance to him. It was a suffering. It was part of the suffering of Christ. Now that he has been exalted, he is esteemed the greatest of all men. But in his humbled state, there came a point where he was esteemed the least of all men. Yet he was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Our Lord found himself in a position experientially lower than other men where he identified with the least of all living creatures. He said, I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. All men forsook him. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. And then at his lowest point, the father whom he loved forsook him. The one who was from the lofty inhabitations of heaven, equal with God, would pour out his soul unto death. He made his grave with the wicked. When Jesus bore the sin of the world, he was forsaken of the Father and he was in every sense of the word alone. The depths to which our Lord went to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, no man has ever known, nor will ever know. He is the Omega. As many were astonished at thee, His visage was so marred more than any other man and his form more, more than the sons of men. He suffered an affliction that no man suffered. He was the last. He is the Omega, the last. The Prince of of Life died. He said, I am first and last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. He bore the greatest burden. He paid the greatest cost. He went the furthest distance. He is both most esteemed and yet the least esteemed among men. He is the life and was dead, but is not anymore. This is what it took to save you. Consider this, brethren. This is what it took to save you. This is the kind of distance that existed between God and men, and Christ bridged that gap and reconciled us, or brought us to God. It, this required an initiation of the work, and it also requires a completion of it. See, people that teach that salvation is only initiation, they're not preaching a Christ that is alpha and Omega. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Faith not only must be authored, it must be finished. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of our faith. Our salvation, therefore, does not just have a beginning. It also must have an ending. Those who trust in the Alpha must also trust in the Omega to bring it to completion. Those who begin to run the race must finish the race those who are converted by christ must hope in christ for the end of their faith in him or they are not really serving the jesus declared in the scripture for he is alpha and omega jesus has the first word in all of scripture and he has the last word in it too the scriptures end. Revelation 22, 20 through 21. He which testifieth these things says, Surely I come quickly. Amen. That's sealed. Even so. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. It ends with a blessing. That's the end. He's got the first word and he's got the last word. The goal of salvation is not only to be initiated by Christ, but to be brought to completion by him as well. Him being the author and finisher of our faith. We must be confident that he which had begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Now submit to that work that he's doing in you. He is the beginning and end of our salvation. When when we came into the kingdom, Jesus was the first one we saw. And when we depart this earth successfully, it will be with Christ in view and not anything in this present evil world. For the child of God living by faith, Christ is our first thought when we arise in the morning and He is our last thought as our head hits the pillow, even thanking Him for the pillow on which it lays. Jesus is the root cause of all things, the finisher of all things. He brought the world into existence and he himself will wrap it up like a garment when he's finished with it. When Jesus came in his humility, salvation had begun. And when Jesus comes in his exaltation, the day of salvation will be finished. This should make for great confidence, brethren. We, we serve a Christ, we serve a risen Savior that doesn't just start what he can't finish. We don't serve a Lord who started it, but then left the finishing to another. So you, can't really, you can't really trust somebody who starts something but doesn't finish. Praise God, the Christ we serve is one who knows the end from the beginning. Who you can fully trust. You can, you can put all of your trust in the Alpha and in the Omega. The beginning and the end. The first and the last. The Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. A phrase appearing plain, but needs faith to comprehend. He is from everlasting, the Christ who was and is, and is to come eternal, outside of time exists. Before all things created, the first and also last, He was there when it started, and He'll be there when it's past. He authored our salvation and began us, on this race, and when this race has ended, we'll see him face to face. God speaks nothing to mankind that doesn't come through him. The Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Scripture testifies of him, the first word to the last. Not a sprinkling of his name, but substantively cast. The subject of our teaching Christ always first and last. Our thoughts and all our reading and every question that we ask. We go to him for wisdom. We go to him for grace. We're seeking first the kingdom and there's no other in his place. He is the most important. He is preeminent. The highest name in heaven. Jesus most excellent. Yet span the greatest distance. The world, the word was veiled in flesh. He fulfilled the law he gave, then laid him down in death. He bore the greatest burden. He paid the greatest cost. And more than any one man, he suffered greatest loss. Tormented and afflicted, he was the least of men. Not Alpha, but Omega, the beginning and the end. Firstborn among the brethren, a brand new progeny. He's alive forevermore, and like him we shall be. So place your trust in Jesus. He truly is a friend. This Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Thank you, brethren. Amen. I open it up for your comments on this passage. Yes, Brother Dave I want to
1: say thank you, Brother Justin, for uh, pointing out... The uh, complete humiliation mm-hmm. of our Lord and the things that He suffered, His agony—that uh, He truly was the first and the last. Mm-hmm. He, the, the difference between all the glory that He shared with the Father <coughs> and all power and all <coughs> riches and everything that He had. And he gave all that up to become abused. And you read the scripture from Isaiah fifty-two, <coughs> where it says he was, his visage was marked more than any man. Many were astonished at thee, mm-hmm. <coughs> and yet he has been made. The apostles preached this Jesus whom you crucified, God has made both Lord and Christ. Amen. And now in First Timothy chapter six, it says He is the only. He is the blessed and only potentate, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. (coughs) So the the difference between being the so completely humbled to <coughs> become in the form of a man, become become a servant, and now to be raised up to heaven and be made the the only potentate, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, just incredible to think about. Mm-hmm. Amen. I never thought about the first and last referring to his humiliation on earth. Thank you. Amen. Yes, Amen. Yeah, the angels are shouting praises over this. Yes. They're glad to hear that men there are some men that see it. Mm-hmm. They've seen it, but this is a, this is a marvelous proclamation.
0: Amen. Amen.
2: Yes, Brother Robert? Just think about the the beginning. See, all things are of God, and see, this whole he all things before he ever made the word before he ever created anything, he knew, he purposed what he was going to do. So, so Jesus, there came a point in time when there was you mentioned this. There was no help for Jesus. He bore the sin of the whole world by himself on the tree. What an amazing sacrifice that is! I mean, now he's going to in he's going to ha- ask of you to participate in a taste. Yes. A taste, and now, now it's not not even can be compared with what he. But when you follow Christ, you're going to have to deny yourself yes. and anything that gets in the way. Yeah. And if you don't do it, you're not worthy. You won't be counted worthy. See, he was worthy. And that he did everything he was sent to do. And he was the worthy one. Amen. I mean, we, we all have sinned and come short. He never sinned, he did no sin. So, wh- what an amazing Savior we have. And the way that it's been, you know, it, it, the scriptures show us, reveal it to us. He was humble, he, he, he took upon him the form of a servant, and he, he was made and subject being made subject that's we don't we don't fully understand that the the totality of that but see we've been given to see what we need to see to to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God Amen. yes sister Heather it it was really exciting when you explained um, that Jesus was the first man in heaven and then you went on to describe his triumphant entrance Yes. and describe him as being um, a new, the new man, like a new progeny. And then, and then when you said that he was the last one of his race to ever taste death, and then you know it's, mm-hmm. all that just speaks to uh, what's in store for us, those mm-hmm. in Christ. And it's very exciting. Thank you for encouraging yes. our faith. Amen.
0: Welcome, sister. Yes, brother Rob. Yes. How wonderful it is to see Christ in His many facets.
1: Throughout history in each of the books mm. of yes. scripture. Yes. Amen. Amen. That was amazing. Yes, Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm.
0: amen. Thank you, brethren. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Sister Tanya is gonna come up and